The Red Sox face a big moment in their season as they head to the Bronx. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. Well, a loss in Cleveland dipped the Red Sox under 500. It's not just they lost. It's you know how they lost and where they are at this point. The team they're putting out there on the field. It feels like the Red Sox are kind of at a moment right now where they are on the verge of shifting into being a losing team. And it's been you know the last several weeks that they have not played well. But really... I look back at the homestand, right? I mean, the Reds came in. Reds won two out of three. Then the Rays came in. They took three out of four. You lose two out of three in Cleveland. And now you go into the Bronx, and it feels like you know this weekend and next weekend against the Yankees could be a time where you know, the Red Sox get knocked down to the point where they're not able to get back up again. And granted, it is early to mid-June, but... Uh, that kind of feels like where the Red Sox are at at this point in time. It's not just the record, it's how they're playing. You know, it's the way that they're fielding. It's the, how their pitching has not been up to where it was over their winning stretch of time. And that the offense has some holes in it as well. Now, granted, the Red Sox got Adam Duval back last night. That's great. You know, Trevor Story is on the horizon. But, you know, can the Red Sox continue to tread water to get to that point in time? This was a topic I explored with both Rafael Devers and Justin Turner uh, earlier this week as the Red Sox lost three out of four to the Rays. You feel like you guys are getting the quality of bats you want and it's just not a matter of time of hitting or things going wrong here and there. How would you kind of categorize that? Yeah, I still think the at-bats are, are good and hitting balls hard, not not getting results to show for it. But, um, you know, like I said, it's a long season, 162-game season. There's going to be ups and downs and in the offense, and uh, we got to find ways to create our own momentum, uh, create our own luck, and um, you know we we couldn't really get it going against these guys. You say the team's not kind of believing in who they are and how good they can be. What do you what do you mean? Kind of how is that manifesting itself? Yeah, I just think that you know I I, I believe that we have a good club in here, and I think that uh, the sooner we get everyone believing that that. We're a good team, and, and we can go out and win and compete every single night. Um, you know, that's going to give us our best chance. Is that a part of the meeting earlier today to kind of instill that in guys? I mean, the meeting was a closed-door meeting because uh, it was meant to be. So, um, you know, that's that's between Alex and us. So, Is that one of the big differences between the Rays and other teams is that they just don't seem to make those types of mistakes every you know, intangible of the game they seem to master. I mean, they make, they make mistakes, too. Um, everyone makes mistakes. Uh, you know, we just got to do a better job of capitalizing on their mistakes and minimizing on, on ours. Also talked with Rafael Devers via his interpreter. Not scoring as many runs as you guys want. Is that a product of quality of bats, not getting timely hits? How do you kind of frame that? No, sabemos que Tampa es uno de los mejores pitchers de toda la Grande Liga. No, no, eso es algo que no nos futra, pero sabemos que podemos poner mucho mejor al bate. Se trata de... Eh, anotar más carreras, pero sabemos también que hay que darle su mérito a ellos. Tiene un estado de picheo muy por encima, vamos a decir, buenísimo. Yeah, no, and it's not a secret that Tampa is, has one of the best staff in, uh, pitcher staff in the Major League Baseball. But I, of course, we obviously can put better at bats, and that's something that that we need to work on. But there's there's not a secret that they're a very good uh, pitching staff. Just team defense, the whole two. What are you seeing there, and, and do you, where do you see need for improvement? No, nosotros salimos a trabajar todos los días. Salimos a trabajar todos los días para tratar de mejorar. Esas son cosas que van a pasar y estoy seguro que vamos a mejorar la defensa de nosotros. Seguir trabajando en lo, en lo, en lo difícil que eso. Y vamos, nosotros tenemos bastante talento, tenemos bastante buen equipo y eso lo vamos a mejorar con Dios mediante.
Yeah, we always try to, we go out there every day to try to improve and try to get better. And as a team, we, we that's what we're trying to do. And that's what we're going to accomplish. This is baseball. We know how, how this is and how our baseball is. But I know that, that we're going to be better. And that's what we're working on. Alex Cora has taken on a more demonstrative role. He got thrown out of the game on Monday. We'll hear from him on that in just a little bit. Also, benched Alex Verdugo, not just for the rest of the game on Wednesday after he didn't slide going into second, the Sox trailing 5-2 in the seventh, but also benched Verdugo for the remainder of the series. Didn't play on uh, Thursday either in Cleveland. Here is Alex Cora and getting tossed on Monday. At that point, yeah, I, like, I got to let it go, right? I mean... My kids are gonna see me get thrown out. Make sure they they see it the right way. Yeah. James Paxton's been very solid for the Red Sox, coming off of an outing where he went seven innings, gave up only two runs and struck out nine on Tuesday against the Cleveland Guardians. Paxton two and one on the year, three point eight one ERA in five starts. Of course, he didn't pitch for two years because of an arm issue. Sat down with him inside a dugout at Fenway Park. Joined by James Paxton, who's been so much fun to watch with the Red Sox so far this year. And I'm curious as you kind of a change in perspective that you get from missing as much time as you did and now being back and having you know, success on a big league mound. Yeah, you know, just really grateful to be back out there competing with these guys. Um, it's been a lot of fun uh, being back on the mound after all that time being away from it and uh, just loving pitching again. One of the things that I've noticed about you throughout the course of your career is that, and players will talk about the fact that all of your pitches look the same coming out of the hand, and there's such incredible variation in their speeds and movement. And you know, I wondered when you're coming back if that would be something that you'd you know, struggle with a little bit at the beginning because of that timing that goes along with that and, re- and replicating the delivery. Talk a little bit about how that's worked early on, because it feels like, and in talking to some of the hitters you faced, that that's kind of where you were before. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the fastball's been feeling really good. Uh, the breaking balls are getting better and better kind of each time out. I'm still kind of tinkering with some things, trying to make them more consistent. Uh, last time out, I was better throwing the curveball for a strike. I feel like my cutter's still coming around. The changeup's been, um, you know, usable, which is great. Um, so, you know, just continuing to get better with the pitching things, but you do that, you know, no matter what, so... So the velocity and everything's been there, and it, obviously you're replicating the delivery, but you're just not getting the spin that you want basically on the curveball and the changeup, kind of the same thing? Uh, it's more so for me just direction. Right. Uh, I'm, trying to, uh, I'm kind of trying to create the, the movement early instead of letting it all happen late. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just kind of piece by piece putting it back together. Uh, obviously, with what Chris has gone through and is going through now, it's it's so tough to see because he's a guy that works so hard and uh, does everything really, you know, the right way when it comes to pitching. Doesn't obviously show guys up. He goes out there, he competes, and he's obviously a guy that you guys like a lot. Um, how tough is it to see what he's you know going through? Hopefully, the, everything continues to progress in a good direction. But you know, to have something like that happen after everything. Yeah, it's you know he's been throwing the ball so well too. He was back to pretty much full strength, looking fantastic. It's just, you know, my heart breaks for him because it's uh, he's worked, like you said, so hard. And uh, he works so hard. And he plays the game the right way, does all the right things. And this stuff just happens. But, you know, I know him. He's going to work as hard as he can to get back out here. Um, and I just want nothing but the best for him. In terms of who you thought he was versus who he is, is there any you know, differences in being around him and you guys have rehabbed a little bit together? I mean, is there a sense of uh, kind of a different sense as to who he is versus maybe the perception? Yeah, you know, I didn't really have any perception of him, but, you know, I've just gotten to know him over these past couple of years and just a fantastic guy, you know, loves the game, 
and uh, works really hard, and I've learned a lot from him. When you look at the, the young pitchers on this staff, uh, Tanner Houck, Brian Balow, and also Garrett Whitlock, what do you like about those three individuals, kind of what stands out stuff-wise, but also you know, do, you, do you like who they are and that fact they're asking questions and that they're not you know, intimidated by veterans and are you know, willing to kind of pick your brain and Ken Lee's brain and, and Chris's? Yeah, it's been great. You know, those guys are they're coming up, asking questions. They're all super talented, you know, great stuff, and uh, they continue getting better and better out there also. I'm having a great time watching them pitch, um, and they're uh, just continuing to progress you know, each time out. When a pitcher has great stuff, and basically like all big league pitchers have great stuff, or one pitch that they throw that's exceptional and you kind of build off of that, what's the difference between having great stuff and developing a solid big league career, whatever it may be? I think it's just learning how to use it, you know. Um, you learn what pitches uh, you like to throw, you know, like if it's like a backdoor curveball for a strike or you're throwing your backdoor slider early in the count, late in the count, you throw it in the dirt. Just figuring out what things you do really well and then uh, being able to repeat those things over and over. Is that something that early in your career, you know, you had somebody that you kind of leaned on? Did you just – and can you? Like, does it just have to be kind of experience and going out there and – figuring out what works for you at this level or maybe a mix yeah it's a bit of a mix you know pitching coaches uh you learn by experience of uh trial and, fa- and failure you know and you learn from uh, from game to game and you continue to continue to grow as a player final thing i want to ask you is you know dealing with failure is one of the biggest aspects of growth major league players will talk about and how at times you know big time failures will eat at them and will make them you know better moving forward um from your perspective like how how does a player go about using failure? Have you used it personally in order to make yourself uh, better? And how does it make you better? Yeah, I mean, all of us out here, you know, have failed. And uh, you, gotta, you have to learn from it. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. If you can learn from your failure and uh, do the work necessary to work on whatever you failed on, failed at, um, then you find a way to get better. And it's just committing to that process of, uh, every time you fail, figuring out what the issue was and being able to go to work on that issue. Joey Votto, one of the most intriguing players in baseball, hasn't played this year due to injury, but his return is on the horizon for Votto. He was traveling with the Reds uh, to Fenway Park and talked to him about you know, hitting in general, his mindset, and took a little tour of Fenway Park with a future Hall of Famer in Joey Votto. Fenway Park, we're here in the dugout. You're hanging out, literally. Um, what comes to mind when you, you think about playing here and kind of the whole vibe and history? And, and you're obviously a guy that really enjoys this stuff. Uh, well, I've played here twice. I'm not currently playing. Um, it saddens me not to be able to play whenever you have an opportunity here at Fenway. Fans are excellent. The stadium is beautiful. Uh, the weather's been really friendly to us also here on this trip. And, um, you know, anytime you can win a series on the road, that's a pretty good thing. So it's been a good combination here in Boston. How about the, the history side of things? You know, it's so rare that you can go into a ballpark where obviously everything's so modern and you know, be in the same place that Ted Williams played. And everything looks kind of the same as well, dating back to the 1930s. Really here, Wrigley and Dodger Stadium provide that opportunity. And as a player who's made your own historical stake in the game in the modern sense, like what is that like to kind of you know, connect with the ghosts, if you will, of the, of the game's past? Well, the thing that stands out to me is, is you know, the great players that played here 
and what they did. You know, we were having a debate about the red seat in right field with Ted Williams. Did he hit it? Uh, where was the bullpen positioned? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was no bullpen. And he had to hit them in the seats, correct? Yeah. And he had 521 home runs. So it's hard enough to hit the ball. It's hard enough to hit the ball uh, over the bull, over the fence into the bullpen. It's quite a bit harder to hit it into the seats. And I think that just sharing it from a you know um, a left hand hitter that's hit some home runs, not a ton, but some home runs. I can tell you what what the great Ted Williams did was pretty pretty spectacular. So. The wow. biggest difference probably is the, you look behind the uh, the home plate here, and that press box was not there. So the wind could actually cut in and and carry the ball, and not necessarily dead in the baseball. So they, it, uh, it's very possible that obviously the wind helped it on that on that day. I doubt they'd put a seat out there if it didn't actually hit there. But who knows, right? Well, I don't. I, I wonder how much the the wind is. The wind is. Uh, I, it can really negatively affect the ball, and uh, I don't... In particular, because the wind comes a lot from the ocean, which is to, obviously, the east of the ballpark on the other side of where, you know, home plate is. So it would have hurt? Who knows? But I'm just saying it could probably get caught in the wind one day because of the fact that there wasn't as much of a, a you know, So you're saying it would have helped? Yes. There's a possibility it would have helped? Yes. Well, there you go. Maybe that's why they, they set the fence so far out, because they knew that the... the, the uh, the wind would likely blow the ball over the right field wall. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 the most distinct of the ballparks. You know, center field, the way the 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 center field uh, appears far, but it's actually kind of short, close mm-hmm. to that three seventy nine, and then all of a sudden it shoots out into four twenty territory. I've heard most hitters really love hitting here, um, and then every time I've showed up here, all the staff, uh, all the coaches. All the players love to come early and take in take in the history of the ballpark. So it's it's um, I'm not really in that place. I, I usually don't like to take in things. I mostly just trying to prepare for competition. Be present, yeah. So, um, but it is beautiful and it's well, well maintained. I mean, Dodger Stadium, in my opinion, is the in my opinion is the prettiest ballpark. I love our home ballpark truly, and I'm not just saying that because I play there. I really do love uh, Cincinnati's ballpark, but it's young. It's a young ballpark relative to these. Uh, these icons. You make a great point about straightaway center field being 379. Like the flagpole out there is 379. The triangle, which a lot of folks think is dead center, is actually in right center where it goes out to you know 420. So that's one of those unique aspects of the park. And of course, the right field wall to me is is fascinating because it goes from about probably about four feet high by pesky pole all the way down to like you know three feet high uh, when you get into right field and the uniqueness of the park and that's one of the things like I love about baseball and I'm interested from your perspective as a hitter is that unlike the other sports like basketball the court is always the same right the dimensions are all the same hockey everything's always the same football's always the same but baseball has such a different dynamic because of the where the stands are set up in certain ballparks um, where the the fences are in certain ballparks and how much does that add to the kind of the uniqueness and intrigue of the game, in your view? Well, I mean, the, without question, um, each ballpark has their own personality. We play uh, in the National League Central, where we stop off in Wrigley, and it's got the long right field and left field lines, but then the shorter gaps, uh, similar to to Fenway. It's it has a you know, um, it's an icon, um, but it has like um, its own 
specific charms that most of the modern ballparks don't have. You know, then you go to Pittsburgh, which I think is one of the most beautiful ballparks in our game, and it has an you know uh, a cutout that's big in left center and big to left field, and and then in right field uh, the wall's so tall, so it's like. Milwaukee's has its own uh, personality. St. Louis has its own personality. You know, it's it's. Um, you know, it's a, I feel um, lucky to play in a sport that um, the stadiums where work. You know, the places where we compete are have their own uh, are original. What do you look for as as a hitter? Like you mentioned that a lot of the guys you've talked to, you know, love, and I've heard this obviously for the years as well, love hitting at Fenway Park. For you as a hitter, like what are you looking for? Uh, you know, I, the two things I looked for when I was younger is if I can't ho- hit a homer uh, on a on a kind of a slight miss hit, then I'll probably lower my trajectory and just try to hit line drives. And then... Um, that's really all I ever paid attention to. I wouldn't aim for left field. I would just let it just kind of come off my bat naturally. Like, for example, a ball, this ballpark, I would just try to hit liners all day. Whereas a, a ballpark like Wrigley, I'll try to take, depending on if the wind's blowing in, neutral or out, that'll, that'll decide what I'm doing. Wrigley, same thing. Uh, our home ballpark. But then in St. Louis, you've got to keep the ball lower and line the ball. Uh, so there's there's every ballpark has its own, uh, sorry, has its own, um, um, hit, 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 like, needs as, as far as a hitter. Last thing I want to ask you about, Jonathan and Dee and I were talking earlier about how you'd helped him with his mental approach, and that's been one of the big things, where he was having his rookie year, he's having a rough May, and you said, you know, basically, you know, you're, you're a really good player, uh, let your skill play play out and some of the younger players the Red Sox like Duran last year was just struggling from a mental standpoint and this year he's just having you know fun playing the game so as a leader from your own experience like what do you try to get to guys about when it comes to you know the mental side of, of the game something you've thought a lot about um the thing I've thought most about lately is is prepare yourself each day uh, to, to to for that moment in the mirror at the end of the night, you'll look at yourself and say, "I did. I got absolutely everything out of myself today." Whether it's so, it, there's little things, you know, a meal you eat or or the nap you need to take or some socializing you shouldn't be doing or should be doing, sort of thing. Uh, sleep, uh, quiet time, um, you know, getting distracted with expectations, um, you know, so. And then obviously our on-field work, our on-field preparation. So um, that 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 is uh, left to the individual. Everybody has their. Own. For example, I, I'm not social. I need to. I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm. I lean more. I lean probably more introverted. So at the end of the day, I, I need some quiet time. But I know guys that need to be social, need to reach out to their family or friends, or need to go get a meal in a group to be able to, you know, recover from the day. So. Figure out what the recipe is for your own success, and uh, follow that. And and uh, you know, John John has uh, a ton of potential, and when healthy, he's going to perform well. Awesome, appreciate you. So, what makes the Tampa Bay Rays click? I mean, this is a team that is by far you know the best team in baseball right now. They play a brand and style of baseball that um, is really benefit beneficial to. The new rules. They're 46 and 19 entering play 
last night, and uh, I talked with Brandon Lau, one of their stars, second baseman, about what makes the Rays click. As a player, there's been so much discussion about the different rule changes, but one of the, the biggest ones, I think, is the schedule, obviously, right? We're seeing less AL East teams and more um, teams across the league, which is great for fans. But I'm wondering, from a player's perspective, do you like the familiarity of kind of knowing what's coming, or do you like the challenge of, oh, we're facing a team that I don't see a lot and pitchers that I don't see a lot, and um, I have to put in more work and, and adapt to what I'm seeing on the mound? Uh, I mean, honestly... I like not facing the AL East as much. Um, I truly believe the AL East is probably the best division in baseball, or if not one of the best. And any time that you can take 30 or 40 games and play against a, a different division or something like that, it, it makes things so much easier. Not, I, not easier, but you know, it's nice not to face the Orioles, the Yankees, Red Sox, and, and the Blue Jays. You know, 30 times each. It feels like each year. You know. Um, those teams are really good, and, and like you said, the familiarity with pitchers is hitters start to kind of understand what they're going to face. And you know, I take our hitters, you know, facing new pitchers, than having to face Judge and those guys consistently over the season. So um, I think the new schedule is is beneficial for us. The final thing I want to ask about was Shane McClanahan, who's the best in, in the American League and one of the best in baseball when it comes to, to throwing the baseball. What kind of drives his success in your view, and what does it mean for a team to have you know, a guy that's going to go out and give you a chance to win each time he starts? I mean, other than having just electric stuff uh, up there on the mound, it's it's everything. I mean, they, he's got a set schedule. He's got a set routine that he knows works for him and he's not going to change that for anybody and you know he's going to make sure he gets his work done he's going to make sure that he is in the right position to go out there and give you the best that that he can and you know the pure competitive spirit and the willingness to learn you know we've had a couple of of pretty good veteran arms the past few years um that have come in and he has not egoed any of them and knowing that he's got great stuff i'm just gonna go and do what i do he's gonna look at him and be like you know uh, you know what you have pitched in the big leagues for 12 years tell me how like i'm gonna learn from you and i will take everything i can and apply it to what i can and that's i feel like is kind of led to him kind of taking off in the way that he can't the way that he's pitching now and i don't see him slowing down anytime soon just briefly, like, how much dialogue is there between, you know, maybe not just him, but other pitchers and you talking to them and saying, this is what I'm seeing as a hitter, or vice versa, or did most guys kind of stay in their own lane and, you know, let, you know, the coaches and obviously there's a lot of support staff have those conversations? Because obviously there's a value in hearing it from, you know, the guy that's seeing what you're doing and competing in the same, you know, venue. Yeah, like I said, we're, we're a very close-knit group here. Um, I think during games we have conversations about, you know, I'll I'll be sitting there and whether it's Frankie or Manny having an at bat, I'll sit there and talk to our pitchers and be like, how would have you, how would you have attacked him there? Like I don't think that I would have thrown him that pitch. What, what do you guys think? And hearing just pitchers' views on different things and so I mean everything's just open on the table. There's no hurt feelings if someone says something different. It's all just. We want the best for everybody in our clubhouse, and whether or not that's a, a hurtful truth or, you know, some ego building in, in the in the dugout. You know, we're we're all 
just kind of sitting there trying to build each other up and make sure that everybody's able to play the best of their ability. Our Brandon Lau right there on the best in baseball, Tampa Bay Rays. Patriots begin mini camp on Monday. DeAndre Hopkins could be in the fold soon. He met with the Patriots on Friday. It's going to do it for the Press Pass today. Join us next week. I'm Chris Ryan.